Thanks for joining us here on Radio Who, What, Why. I'm Jeff Sheckman. The debate over Junior Haspel running the CIA has, like most things, devolved into a partisan political debate. The usual tribes, the usual sides, and the usual arguments. But if we can only step back a bit, we see that it's so much more. It goes to the heart of who we are as a nation, as a moral society, and whether we can ever again be that shining city on a hill. As the nomination becomes closer to a vote in the Senate, we're going to talk about it today with my guest, John Kariaku, who's the first member of the intelligence community to expose the CIA's use of torture, and as a result, became one of the very few Americans ever prosecuted under the Espionage Act, for which he served 23 months in federal prison. It's my pleasure to welcome John Kariaku back to this program. John, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. With this vote coming up, and little by little, it's been leaking out who's voting for, who's voting against. Certainly, it doesn't seem very positive at this point in terms of of stopping this nomination. What is your sense of that, first of all? Yeah, I have to reluctantly agree with you. It it breaks my heart to say it. But but yeah, I think that Gina Haskell probably has the votes uh, for confirmation with Democrats like like Joe Manchin and uh, of West Virginia and Joe Donnelly of, of Indiana coming out in support of her and probably Doug Jones of, of Alabama, I don't think that there are four Republicans to vote no. We know that, uh, that John McCain, of course, is a no vote, although he's too sick to return to Washington to vote. And uh, Rand Paul is a no vote. There are rumors that Mike Lee of Utah may vote no from the libertarian perspective. Uh, but then where does that leave us? Do we have to rely on the likes of of Bob Corker, who may vote no just because he hates Donald Trump, or Jeff Flake for the same reason. I I heard a rumor today on the Hill, uh, which is just a rumor, but um, the idea was that Ted Cruz would vote no because his father had been tortured by the Castro regime and he knows the horrors of torture. Uh, I can't imagine that that's going to be the case, but that's how desperate we are uh, for another vote or two. Is there anything that Gina Haspel could have done or said in her hearings that might have redeemed her, that might have made people say, maybe she learned her lesson? Oh, yes. And that's such a good question. That's a question really nobody's asking. She could have said in response to to, uh, Senator Heinrichs of New Mexico, Senator, I was wrong. Uh, You know, we were caught up in the hysteria after 9-11. We did things that, in retrospect, were wrong and were regrettable, and I promise you that we will not go down that path again. But she never said any of that. She was defensive, she was evasive, and she never apologized or expressed remorse in any way. You know, I've said in other, in other outlets that Gina could have said no when they asked her to go overseas and head the secret prison. She could have said no when they told her to oversee the torture of Abdurrahim Anashari. She could have said no when Jose Rodriguez told her to destroy the evidence of the torture. But she never said no. She only said yes. I think that is very regrettable. And in this current decision to say what she said before the Senate committee, is it your sense she she didn't go further because that's how she feels or because she made a political and personal ambition decision? Well, I have, I've always believed that Gina was a true believer, that the reason why Gina never said no, the reason why Gina readily accepted those assignments was because she believed in the torture program. Right. You know, there was, this, there was this sense among so many 
in the CIA immediately after the 9-11 attacks that we needed to avenge the deaths of these 3,000 people. And that you, you remember the, the, the phrases that were being bandied about, oh, the yes. gloves are coming off. We're going to the dark side. Bin Laden, uh, we'll see Bin Laden's head on a pike with flies on his eyes, right. uh, Kofor Black famously said. Um, but there were people who really believed that stuff. And Gina Haspel was one of those people. Is it your sense she's learned nothing since? Nothing. Gina Haspel was a member of the Senior Intelligence Service all those years ago, 16 years ago, when these decisions were being made. She has spent most of her career in the Senior Intelligence Service. She knows how to get ahead. And this is how you get ahead. You know, it, it wasn't about doing the right thing for her. It's never been about that. It's been about getting ahead. And she finally made it. And if she is in place as head of the CIA, how do you figure that that will impact others in the agency that maybe don't feel as she does? Another great question. You know, I've, I've said publicly a number of times that the message this sends to, to the CIA workforce is that you can commit war crimes or crimes against humanity and you can get away with it. And not only will you get away with it, but you'll be promoted. And indeed, you can even be promoted to director. All you have to do is play ball and keep your mouth shut. That's the message that this sends. Now, the message that it sends to people like me who oppose the torture program or who are still inside is keep your mouth shut or you'll end up in prison like Kiriakou did. Why do you think more people have not spoken out? Oh, that's such a mystery to me. You know, I knew, I knew from personal firsthand experience that I was not the only person who opposed this torture program. Um, and indeed, once the, the Senate torture report was released, we saw that there were dozens of CIA officers who were sickened by this program. Several of them curtailed their positions and returned from the secret site to headquarters. That's a career ending move. Several of them resigned or, or took retirement. And I was convinced that somebody would go public. And instead, none of them went public. Why not? Oh, it's, it's all about self-preservation. You know, why throw away a life? I mean, I went to prison for two years. I lost my federal pension. I lost the right to vote. I lost the right to own a, a firearm. Uh, I lost... Uh, I lost my, my house. I lost my job. Uh, as things turned out, I lost my wife. So is it really worth it? Do you have a feeling that once she's in place that, that torture will begin again, that a regime will, will come into play, that will reinstitute some of these programs? Well, I fear that that will, that will be the case if there is not robust congressional oversight. And there isn't robust congressional oversight. What you have instead is a group of both Democrats and Republicans who are nothing more than cheerleaders for the CIA. That's the real danger, because if there's no one on Capitol Hill to tell Gina Haspel or any other CIA official no, then they're going to do anything that they want, because they'll be confident that they can get away with it. How much of this has to do with the current president? How much does that play into this? 
oh, I think Donald Trump has emboldened these people. You know, during the uh, transition, when he said that he intended to bring back, and these were his words, bring back waterboarding and a hell of a lot worse. That was the green light for these people to move forward uh, and, to, and to try to recapture some of that, that cowboy authority that they had in 2001 and 2002. So it was, it was a very dangerous uh, thing to say. And as it's turned out, he meant it. This is the policy. One of the things we haven't heard much about or haven't heard from are former leaders of the CIA, former directors of the CIA haven't come forward on these issues. You know, that's a, that's a very important point. What we have seen is that former leaders of the CIA from the period of the torture program have come forward to endorse her. George Tenet, Jim Pavitt, uh, Mike Morrell, uh, Mike Hayden, you know, all these people who, in my view, became monsters post 9-11. They're all for Gina Haspel. And they're for Gina Haspel because she is a part of their legacy. You know, they, they are on the record as, as supporting this program. And they think that if they can tell this lie that it wasn't torture over and over and over again, that they can finally convince the American people that it's true because that's their legacy. When their obituaries are written, they're going to say that they were instrumental in the creation and implementation of the CIA's torture program, but they don't want it to use that word. They want those, those obituaries to say that they were patriots who did it in the name of protecting the American people. We know that that's not true. So it's up to us to make sure that the American people understand how this thing really played out. There's also the secondary mythology that was very much a part of her hearings and very much a part of what she had to say, which is creating this illusion that this is what the American people wanted at that time. That may be true, but <laughs> if you're a leader, then you lead. I mean, you're supposed to be the one in the position of authority. You're supposed to be the one who knows right from wrong. And Leadership just collapsed all across government, whether it was in the White House or in the Justice Department or on Capitol Hill or at the CIA. It just fell apart. You would have thought that there would be someone in some position of authority to say, wait a minute, this is wrong. We can't do this. Not only is it morally and ethically wrong, but it's also it's also illegal and we shouldn't be doing it. And nobody ever said that. You know, it's interesting. You talk about all those former leaders and directors of the CIA who were part of this same legacy. In a way, if they had been able to convince her or if she had on her own said those things that you were talking about before, not only might she have cleared her legacy, but she might have cleared theirs as well. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right because she would have gotten the job and she would have shown that contrition works uh, 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 an apology, even if it was a half apology, works. And you know what? In, in, in one sentence, she could have rehabilitated all those other CIA leaders, and she didn't. And it doesn't seem there was any pressure on her to do that. No, no, no pressure at all. When, when you, if you watch the, the Senate Intelligence Committee's uh, hearings, the open hearings, um, the only tough questions came from two or three Democrats. Ron Wyden, Kamala Harris, and, and Heinrichs of, of New Mexico. It was a love fest on the other side of the aisle. And then you had the likes of Joe Manchin saying how, how honored he was that Gina Haspel uh, uh, deemed to drop by his office to say hello. It was, it was <laughs> sickening. 
Do you think that it's going to make any difference in the short run? Will will we see the impact of her being CIA director in the short run? Probably not. Um, I, I don't think that uh, she can make too terribly much of a difference. I think that what we'll see is a continuation of what these previous uh, very conservative uh, CIA directors have done uh, before her, and I mean across Democratic and Republican administrations. So, uh, no, I think that the terrible things that we either think or know that the CIA is doing are going to continue, at least for the next uh, two and a half years. And finally, from, from the public standpoint, what should the public be looking for? What should it be watching for? If Congress isn't going to engage in oversight, what should the public be at least looking towards? Look for what the White House calls leaks. Uh, I don't call them leaks. I call them uh, whistleblowing. Uh, you know, I've said before and I'll say again, the American people own this information. The American people have a right to know what the government is doing in their name. And if the Senate Intelligence Committee and the House Intelligence Committee are not going to exercise oversight, then we have to rely on whistleblowers to tell us what's happening inside. So pay close attention to the press and look for information that is coming from the inside of the intelligence community. That's the only way we're going to know what's happening. John Kariaku, I thank you so much for spending time with us. It is a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And thank you for listening and for joining us here on Radio Who, What, Why. I hope you join us next week for another Radio Who, What, Why podcast. I'm Jeff Sheckman. If you like this podcast, please feel free to share and help others find it by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. You can also support this podcast and all the work we do by going to whowhatwhy.org forward slash donate.